0: My name is Joji Thomas, and let me just introduce, uh, Jesse is going to be coming up with me. I felt like it was really, a, uh, uh, it was really uh, fitting that my wife joined me on this talk, I, and we decided this about 2 weeks ago that you know this is a talk that we have lived and and breathed together and um I I I'm alive because um, she has fed me and taken care of me and blessed me <laughs> and so I felt like it was really important that I I really bring the person that um I owe a lot of gratitude to but really we do this together and so this is my beautiful bride Jessie we've been married for 21 years come this December and uh we've got three kids um three Teenage kids and they keep reminding, <laughs> reminding us that uh, we've got one kid in college. We've got another um, son and a daughter who's going away to college and both the older and the younger uh, the, uh, our daughter is here um, somewhere around here. Um, and then we have a young son at home um, who is eighth grade. Who's in eighth grade, and Jessie homeschooled them. Um, she took care of us. She's a personal chef. She's amazing, and uh, been just a sweet, sweet person for us to, to be along with. I'm uh, I'm a physician. I'm a family doc. I live. We live in rural Tennessee, um, in, a, in a small podunk town. Um, and Jessie's from New York. I'm from Chicago. I um, we went to California. For, I went to California for training, and then we got. The Called to go to Tennessee, so we really felt like a cross between Doc Hollywood and uh, beverly hillbillies and so um, so uh, uh, people call me doc Bollywood uh, <laughs> so, and that 's okay you can laugh um, but uh, but anyway, so just just so grateful to have you all here. Um, these are some of the things that we wish we had learned um, through, through the years, and so we just really wanted to, to share some of the lessons learned. Um, but I think we've got everyone here, so and I'm going to... Yeah, if you all can scoot in a little bit, I think we still have some people who are still at the coffee shop coming in. So if you all can move into the side and uh, leave some opening. Um, if... Since um, we'd like to go ahead and start with prayer. Jesse, you want to just open Mm us up in prayer? Oh, there you
1: go. Okay, let's pray. Jesus, we just uh, come before you knowing that you are the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and the Prince of Peace. And we're all in here for a reason. It's that um, we know that you have promised us abundant life and not just surviving and making it through. Um, But we also know that cannot happen if you are not in charge. So I pray for all of us that wherever we are in our faith journey, um, in the places that we live and work and serve and study, that we would um, be reminded of your supremacy, that we would be reminded that you hold all things together. Help us when um, we are surrounded uh, by chaos, that... We would look up and and remember why we're even doing this, that it's because of you. Um, In our dry places, in our desert places, I pray that um, we would not lose hope that um, our faith would be at least as small as a mustard seed, so that we know that um, there is an end and that you are a good Father, that you want to take care of us, and that you will lead us. Help us to submit to you and help us to have the bigger picture that... um, That you know our hearts and you know where we are, and you love us and you want to sustain us Um, and help us not to turn our backs on you when it feels unfair. Um, Help us instead to trust you, Um, and we know and we and we pray against the enemy and his attacks of um, his lies. And I pray that we would have ears to hear your voice, that we as sheep would hear our shepherd, and that we would. just turn away from those enemies' lies and that instead um, we would combat it with truth, truth that comes from your word and and not from this world. Thank you for what you are going to do, and I pray that you would just uh, be in our words, that we would be empty vessels and that you would just fill us up. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Thank you.
0: So, um, we wanted to start off by one telling you all that we are not experts. all we are are people who have just had a lot of experience, a lot of gray, um, not her, me, a lot of gray, um, because we have been in the field we've been doing this uh, we 've been living in Jellico, Tennessee for about sixteen years, um, and we 've seen a lot we 've been through a lot just personally as a family, we adopted a child. Um, uh, through, the, through that process, and that 's been just joyful and, and what a blessing, but at the same time, uh, a lot of a lot of stuff there 's a lot of chaos and trying to stay alive, but it has been our mission, but more than that is flourishing in that and as I look at a bunch of young people i 'm like, "Oh Lord, I pray that they would just get like a little fraction of what I wish I had had when I was sitting in your seat so so that 's it. we are not experts we 're just people with a lot of mileage and and I pray that we want I share that mileage with you guys. Um, one of the cool, the coolest examples I remember of understanding what this means to thrive it, um, was actually one, from uh, one of my nurses. She had told me. Um, you know, so every year she brings out uh, tomato salsa. She, uh, uh, you know, she jars her tomatoes and does an amazing job. And we all look forward to her bringing in her tomatoes, um, her uh, her uh, bottled or jarred tomatoes. And we we look forward to it because it's always fun. It's always good. But one. One year she chose to give us all. Uh, well, she gave me a bottle of moonshine, uh, and, and I'm like, "What happened? What happened this year? What happened to your uh, your salsa? Uh, what happened to your tomatoes?" And she told me a really sad story. She said, "Well, so what happened is in the beginning of the year? She t- it, she gets all of these uh, heirloom tomatoes, uh, and she puts it to seed, and um, she works on it, and has them all in pots, and and just babies them until they're ready to be planted, and." One one day, her husband, who's not, not doing so well, he's struggling with a lot of chronic illnesses, um, he decides to serve her. He decided to take care of her. And what he did is he took all those tomatoes and he went out and planted them. And so she came out, thinking, she came out to her garden thinking, oh, I'm going to be able, I'm going I'm, I'm to have to work really hard. I'm going to plan all this and realize that her husband had done all the work. And it was beautiful because it was perfect. It was exactly how she wanted it. It was spaced out exactly. And he had done an amazing job. And she was so proud of him and so, so grateful for him. And so the season went on, you know, spring um, and then summer. But the tomatoes were not doing well at all. They were not doing well. They were just dying. They were withering away. There was no flowers. There was no blooms. There was nothing at all. And they were just dying. And and she was very frustrated. She did whatever she could to, to fertilize them, to water them, do whatever. But none of this was suce- succeeding. She could not get them to, to do anything. Finally, in a fit of rage, and, and if you know my nurse, she she goes into these fits of rage. Uh, she She just went out one day and just yanked out. A couple of the plants, only to realize that her husband had actually planted the the, the plants with the plant with uh, the with the um, uh, 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 with the, uh, the basket in it. Yeah, in the actual plastic container. Uh-huh. He she had actually he had actually done that, and he hadn't thought. And like I said, he's dealing with a lot of chronic illnesses and, and um, memory and issues. Are, and, but he had done this, served her. And the plants had just not been able to root because they were still in their original containers and and so so I realized as I, as she told me the story, how much like that we are how much how many of us are transplants, how many of us have left our family and friends, and we have just planted ourselves, but a lot of times we forget to to, to root a lot of times we get to uh, we forget that God has called us to, to and to root ourselves exactly where we are so that we might plant, that we might blossom and that we might fruit and, and we, might, that we might serve others. And so that's, that's an amazing e- example for me of what that looks like in the mission field as we go out. We are not just called to be transplants. We are called to plant ourselves, to root ourselves so that the Lord would uh, nourish and flourish us. And that is our hope and prayer for you all as we go a- into this.
1: I want to read uh, Psalm 1. And by the way, if uh, I think when I was little, I memorized scripture because in our children's ministry, they would make us, and um, then I got out of it. And then when I had my own children, then I was like, oh, they should be memorizing scripture. And I was like, oh, no, wait, I should be memorizing scripture. So if you have not been in the habit, I recommend memorizing this one. Psalm 1, blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners Take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Do you feel like this describes you? Do you delight and meditate in the law of the Lord? Are you planted by streams of water? Are you getting that, that nourishment. Are you seeing fruit in season? And what that means is there's not fruit year round. If there are seasons for fruiting. So if, even if you have that expectation of seeing fruit all the time, that that's actually not realistic. Fruit only comes in a certain season. Um, and leaves that do not wither and prosper in everything. And I think um, that concept, if you've heard about the Proverbs 31 woman, and some people are like, who can do all that? I, in what I've taught, been taught or whatever is um, the Proverbs 31 woman concepts is not everything in this one time, but over a lifetime, and the same thing, prospers in everything. That, that doesn't mean everything is going to prosper this minute, but over your lifetime, prospers in, in the things that you invest in, um, in spiritually and uh, time-wise, prosper in everything in the long term.
0: So, so sitting here in Louisville, you've had a couple of days off, you're away from your task manager, away from your emails, you're, you're, you're feeling like, yeah, that is me. This is exactly me, right? How many of you feel like this is me? This, I am a Psalm 1 kind of guy. I am a Psalm 1 kind of person. I mean, is this you? Is this really you? Or, or the reality, I think, is more this. How many of you have seen this video? Oh, come on. Uh, uh, everyone? No, okay, I don't think everyone. Let's just watch it. I think this is what we probably feel like right now after this conference, right? We can do this. Well, this is easy. This is easy. Yeah, we can it. yeah. And stuff starts to happen. <laughs> That looks like my staff when I walk in, I think. Yeah, they're, they're, but, but really, that's, that's really what I feel like. That, that in a sense, um, that tells that reminds me, that that's what I feel like a lot of the time. Where I feel like, okay, I think I can get it. I think I can get it. And, and really, uh, I, I know I can't. I, I think Lucy says it. I think we're fighting a losing game. And that's how I feel. And as soon as I feel like, okay, I think I got I got, I think I, get, I can get it, I think I got it. I, th- I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it, and then all of a sudden they speed it up or someone adds another rule or another screen or another regulation or another thing that we are responsible for. And we're like, how do we do that? And that's just at our workplaces. That's not at home when our kids come home with a bad grade or have issues or whatever. And that's not including when we don't communicate, uh, communicate well, right? It, uh, it just seems like that conveyor, gets, uh, conveyor belt is getting faster and faster and you're just like, stop. And so what do we do? We do exactly what Lucy does. We, we cheat. We try and get away with it. We try and steal. We try and eat it. We, str- uh, we hide. We lie. We, we, because that's the only way that we're going to survive this right now, right? So the the thing that we wanted to do today is uh, is really just ask yourself, are you thriving and bearing fruit? Are you barely surviving? Are you withering on the vine? And what are the things that choke out our growth? So I'm going to ask you guys just real briefly, what are things that are choking out growth for you all? What are the things that, you know, just make it feel like you are out of control? Any Any ideas? Overcommitment. Good. Not good, but good answer. (laughs) Anything else? Excuse me? Yes. No end to the need. Resources. So yeah, there's just a lot of need and very little resources. So good. Anything else? Distractions. What else? too busy for community hold on to that that's really important control issues control issues yeah so a lot of different things external as well as internal I mean, there's a lot of things coming at us, but then there's a lot of things within us. right? A lot of things within us. We want to control it. We can't say no. We, we feel like we need to do more. We have the Savior complex, right? We've got the Messiah complex. And that's what's going on, I think, is that we are fighting with this, losing battle. Um, we are um, trying to do more than I think God has called us to do. And we don't know how to find that peace.
1: So this is a painting. It's a great picture of chaos. Um, How would you like it if this was the wallpaper and you're surrounded by this every day? Unfortunately, this is what some of our lives look like. Um, So what are the effects of living in that chaos? One, it affects our witness. We're going to be known for being chaotic. We're going to be known for being too busy, impersonal, superficial, Not people of our word. Tired and exhausted.
0: So... You know, one of the things um, that I remember is when we were really younger, (laughs) like five years ago, um, (laughs) when we were much younger, um, we had so many things going. We had three kids that are homeschooled. I was never around. Jesse was just running around from place to place and whatever. And my poor mom came to visit us uh, one weekend, uh, and um, she was shocked. She was just shocked. And at the end of the visit, I remember my mom saying, you know what, I'm not sure if I can come out here um, much. And I said, why? Why wouldn't you? This is great. This is rural living. She's like, this is just way too fast-paced for me. I came to visit you guys. I came to visit my kids, and I just don't know if I've had that experience, and I'm not sure, uh, and you guys are just running so ragged, I'm not sure if that's as healthy for anyone. Um, and, and I took a lot of thought into that to say, wow, that's pretty bad. I mean, my, my parents lived a very, very busy life, but if they're looking at us and saying, this is too crazy, chaotic, it's pretty, pretty significant. So,
1: so in addition to affecting our wealth, it also affects our legacy. Um, a lot of resentment towards the church or ministry by our children. Um, I'm reminded of the sad, t- sad statistics. Ninety percent of children that grow up in evangelical Christian homes leave the faith by the time they're in college. Our number one responsibility is to disciple our children. We cannot forsake that mission field for any other mission field outside the home. And if you are blessed with the gift of singleness, that is that is truly a gift because there is a... A difference in the way you do ministry, and so if you are blessed with marriage and children, um, to know that that really needs to take high priority. And so the grass is not greener on the other side, no matter which Mm. you're on. So just to be aware of that. Oh, sorry. And it affects our sustainability. Um, So if you're really feeling that angst, it's a seed for bitterness. Um, you're going to get closer to burnout, and when we burn out, then the whole ministry suffers. So it doesn't matter, I'm doing this for the Lord. If you're burned out, like, you're not going to produce any kind of um, witness, legacy, testimony to what you do. So this is a picture uh, in Scripture when Jesus is healing in a house, and then uh, these friends are on the roof. And so imagine yourself in the picture of being in the room. You came to hear this Uh, amazing teacher and witnesses healings and everything's going well, and all of a sudden the roof is caving in because people are trying to to get in. Like, imagine the chaos that you feel like. What is going on around here? Chaos, where we live. Okay, so Joji, for those of you who came in later, Joji was talking about getting um, moonshine instead of tomatoes. So we live in Appalachia. So if you're wondering why is it – because that's why. So where we live in Appalachia, we see chaos, but – It's not just there. It is uh, synonymous with the poor. So any place that you see where there's poverty, there is chaos. And chaos is why missions exist. Christ lived among the chaos. He didn't run away from it. He didn't say, stop the chaos. He, He lived amongst the chaos. Yet he was the prince of peace. He found time to get away. Granted, it was earlier than this lecture. But he found time to get away. He carved out time to be in scriptures and in prayer. And I was thinking about this, too. You know, how much scripture did... Jesus, know as, as human boy Jesus, by the time he was 13. And so he was kind of fortified already with scriptures in his mind and his heart. And so for us, if you have not had that benefit of growing up in church or just not a great – so how much more now do we need to be do that, uh, doing that? And so, so for us being in scripture and in prayer. And Jesus also made time to visit with friends. He made time to pause for children.
0: He broke bread with his disciples. So, so I will tell you, I think of this picture a lot when I'm doing ministry, when I'm in that chaos. Because just like Jesse was saying, just imagine being one of the, the people waiting to hear Jesus. Just imagine Jesus. I and mean, this is a beautiful picture of Jesus surrounded by need. People surrounded by want. There's only one of him when we talk about resources. There's only one of him and there's all this need. And you think, okay, okay, I think I can get it. I think I can get it. And then all of a sudden the rough caves in and there's another person that, you know, you thought there, there's not enough room in this, in this room until, until out of nowhere there's more need. And so that's the kind of chaos that a lot of us live in. You know, again, it's not just our workplaces. It's our families. It's our churches. It's, it's everywhere we go. There's a lot of chaos. And, and every time we think we get it, there's more that's added to the list. So one of our guiding verses is Jeremiah 29. It says, Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and, and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there and do not decrease. Right? Do not decrease. And, and so, remember, do, do you all remember who this was written to? This was written by Jeremiah, but who was it written to? Babylonian exile. Excuse me? Babylonian exile. Right, it, it was the Israelites that were going to be exiled in Babylon. These were people living in exile. Did you hear that? They were transplanted. They didn't go because they got a calling. They were exiled. They were marched off by the Babylonians. And so, what What does God tell them? Build houses. Plant gardens. Eat what they produce. Marry. Have children. That is not what exiles want to hear. That is not what our refugees want to hear. That is not what we want to hear. We want to hear, Take me out of here, God. Save me, God. Bring me back home, God. But really, what the exiles heard was what? Build houses, settle down, plant gardens, marry, have children. Why? Because of this. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you will prosper. You also will prosper. Because that's exactly what happened with the story of Israelites in Babylon, right? They built gardens. They built homes. They married. They had children. And then we have stories of people like Daniel, who was a young man who was taken in exile and marched off and while he watched his temple destroyed. And he lived there. And what did he do? Did he sit there and whine and complain? Did he just yearn for home? No. He built homes. He, he planted gardens and he, and he planted the truth of God in that nation. And so then we have stories of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We have stories of Daniel and the lions, and we have stories of King Nebuchadnezzar because he was faithful to that Jeremiah 29 verse. He was very faithful to that Jeremiah 29 verse. He said, I will do this, He'll, I will do this, and I will be part of that change. And that is what we are asking you to do. We are saying, find peace in your chaos. Find peace in your chaos. Now, what you're hearing now, and, and this is a, 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 a concern that's building up, there's this whole thing about uh, work-life balance. How many of you guys have heard of work, work-life balance? right. And if you're a millennial, you just, you just breathe work-life balance. And that's, and I think there's truth in that. I think that's great because, you know, I think the, the missionaries of old messed up and that's why we've got this sustainability and viability and people bitter and angry and kids just leaving the church because we did it wrong. But then I think the whole work-life balance issue is a little concerning too. I'm very concerned that what we're trying to do is put boundaries on things that really shouldn't have boundaries. When the Lord is saying, be a part of that community, understand that there is chaos because I have called you into chaos. I have called you into exile and do, do, be the peace of that city. But I think today, I'm, hopefully we're going to give you some, pl- some things to help protect you. But understand, that I am a little concerned about this whole work-life balance, and I think it's a false myth, and I think it's leading us down a, a, a rabbit trail that I don't. it's going to be hard for us to recover from. But that's a different story.
1: <laughs> so what does it mean to find peace in your chaos? What does it look like? Um, one, know who you are. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are a child of God, and if you're not rooted in that, you're going to um, leave yourself vulnerable to the lives of the enemy, so know who you are. Root yourself in God's promises. So whether it's, you know, an hour, because you woke up at four in the morning, which there are very few people who have the ability to do that. Whether it's five minutes throughout the day, um, there's an app that you can get called Prayer Mate. Um, that came out of England and if you download that you can put reminders and it uh, comes up on my phone and it says is it time to pray and it's always time to pray um, but you can also put prayer requests on there to remind you of different things to pray for um, and to understand seasonality so there are going to be times there's more of this rhythm um, where it is going to be really busy and chaotic but there will be other seasons of quiet and rest so looking forward to the the, the Less busy times. Um, Protect your rest. Uh, So, one, rest ceasing from work, but rest like physically, like making time to sleep and get rest. Um, Psalm 127 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. For he grants sleep to those he loves. So sleep is biblical. So follow your Bible and get some sleep.
2: Um,
1: look for joy in the journey. Um, Anne Voskamp, Voskamp wrote a book, "1000 um, Gifts." Right. If you don't take time for gratitude and practice gratitude and be thankful and figure out how you're going to do that in a regular discipline, you're going to be consumed with the busyness, which then li- will lead to bitterness. Um, And when you're thankful, if you're a parent, you probably know VeggieTales, Madame Blueberry. A grateful heart is a happy heart. And I think when I first showed that to my kids, I just thought it was cute. And and I'm sure it was in the Bible somewhere, somehow. But the more that I've lived the Christian life, the more I see, you know, the absence of gratitude is what's killing us in our joy. So look for joy in the journey. Um, Family buy-in, where... Everybody in the family is kind of understanding that we're all in this together. Um, know your talents and know your limits. For me specifically, um, I'm like a jack-of-all-trades kind of thing. I don't have one thing that I'm awesome at, and, but I love doing so many different <coughs> things. And I've had different experiences and education, but i found the way that God has done my life is that Only in certain seasons am I doing one or two of those things. So I may see an opportunity where I actually have experience or talents or gifts, but this may not be the season I'm supposed to do that thing. So you kind of have to do an inventory of yourself. Know your limits, know your gifts, your talents, but also know what God's priority is for you in this season. And then last, do not move boundary stones. So in Proverbs 23, there were ancient boundary stones that marked territory, and then it would be stolen to be moved. So translating that to us, know for uh, yourself what you need for margin. Every person is different, and one person may need this much rest and somebody this much rest. And so don't compare yourself to other people, but know yourself and where do you need to put those boundaries and those margins in your life.
0: So... Just going into a deeper dive on some of these. So the first is know who you are, and I think that's probably the greatest issue that we are seeing is people who feel like they need to be doing more because they don't know that Christ is all for them, right? Um, you know, I love this verse: "You are my beloved Son, and you who in you I am well pleased." Who said that? <laughs> who said that? God to who? Jesus. To Jesus. Before or after Jesus had done amazing things? Before. Before he started his ministry. Before he did anything. Before he healed the first person. What did, what did God tell him? As he stepped into the waters of baptism, God says, you are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Right? And what happened after? What happened immediately after that baptism? Huh? Excuse me? Temptation. Temptation. He went straight into the desert. He went straight into the desert. And then, then he heard another voice that said, you are not strong enough. You are not powerful enough. You're not God enough. You need to prove yourself. So, he hears from God himself, you are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And then he goes into the desert and he hears this exact same thing that many of us are hearing, which is you're not powerful enough, you're not strong enough, you don't have it, you don't have what you what it takes, you are a failure, you are not smart enough, you're not good, good enough, you're not, you're not, you're not. But it was through Scripture that Christ um, conquered that, Right? It was through Scripture that Christ said, I will listen to my Father in heaven, who says, I am the beloved Son of God, with whom he is pleased. And that is for you all. I, if there's anything you all leave here from, I pray it is this knowledge that you are well loved. You are a son or you're a daughter of Christ, and you uh, And and he is well pleased in you, regardless of your sin, your brokenness, what you've accomplished or what you have yet to accomplish. This is who you are. And do not let Satan tell you anything different. There's an amazing um, quote by Henry Nouwen. I will try and get this uh, slide deck out to you all at some point. But um, it just is a powerful, uh, powerful verse on what it means to to hear the, the the, the dark voice that tells us that we're not loved and that self-rejection that comes from it. But we're running out of time, so I'm not going to continue on with that. But it's a 100 and quote on self-rejection, um, if you want to Google that, okay? Um, we're going to continue on with rooted, being rooted.
1: Okay, so the ways that you get rooted, um, scripture, definitely, if you haven't said enough, get, get in scripture, um, and then uh, prayer, and again, it's, it's peppering prayer throughout the day as well as having, like, a daytime with God of just one-on-one, being with him. Um, Spirit, uh, Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster is a great book, and, and that chapter on prayer there really helped me because he gave some practical of, okay, these are things we can even do with your body, and, like, does God really care if I'm on my knees? I don't know if he really cares, but I know it makes me focused better. So trying different things to pray and be more focused in prayer. Having fellowship and accountable relationships, because if you don't have that, you're kind of like going on your own as the Lone Ranger, and um, you're going to dry out because of that. And get involved in a local church. For We've seen, even in our church, um, people, or in our workplace too, people who are not really involved in relationship <coughs> and, and godly relationships They burn out the quickest. So look for um, a place where you can have long-term sustainability, which is marked by church involvement.
0: And and I can tell you, I've seen that in my practice where um, I can mark my providers and their church attendants with how long they will stay with my practice. Um, you know, people who just burn out because they or, or people who are just saying, I got to do more work. I got to I got to answer more uh, of my tasks. I got to do this on Sundays. I got to do this. And you see them just pulling away from their local churches they 're not very long in our practice, and not because I get them out of, but, but they just wither and die, they just wither and die and and remember this is the bride of Christ, and this is why we 're here, and if we choose not to be in that local fellowship if we don 't we 're not in accountability locally we 're not going to be it's it 's a major red flag for me when people start when I start getting emails on Sunday from some of my partners um, when they should be at church, they're sending out emails. I'm like, um, that's not a healthy sign. And, and it's a conversation we end up having. I, I, I've done this long enough that I'll sit down and say, hey, listen, I'm a little concerned. What are you doing on Sundays? I and mean, why are you working on Sunday? Why are, you, why are we not keeping the Sabbath holy? But um, encourage you guys to, to consider that. Um, this is a cool idea. Um, it's the balancing act. Versus conducting a symphony. And and, uh, at a really dark, dark valley of our our lives, um, uh, one of our friends uh, asked us to say, actually challenged us to, to stop using the word balance. We keep trying it to balance, find balance. And this person said, we should really stop using that because that's really hard to do. It's impossible to find balance. It's like jumping on the weight scale every hour and seeing if, we, uh, how, uh, if we're balanced. And, but really, that does not happen. It doesn't happen because as soon as you think it's balanced and all of a sudden someone cracks a hole in the ceiling and drops another thing on you. And so this person challenges us and says, stop using that term balancing act. Stop asking to to balance your life or get your life in balance. Instead, see it as a symphony. See it as a symphony where in beautiful symphonies you've got these beautiful rests and and peace. And it's it's just a a nice, just a, a peaceful moment. But then they swell. You see the, the, those pieces swell up. And, and, and just like harmony is important, there's also cacophony. And in and, and, and a good piece, you have both. And you have times where it goes crazy, and it's excited, and there's a lot of energy, and then you have these times of rest. And so our encouragement is to, to start seeing your life more as a, as a symphony. There are going to be horribly busy times in your life, but then there are also going to be moments of rest. And for you to protect that rest, and we'll continue on, we'll uh, talk more about that. But, um, but the idea is that we're trying to conduct a symphony here. Um, so the next is understanding, uh, with that, is understanding seasonality. Um, so, one of the things that we encourage you to do is reevaluate yourself every three to four months. And that's something that I, I have done a lot in the past, which is every three or four months, I go to Starbucks or I, I'll, I'll, I'll just have a retreat of silence about three hours. Maybe it's on a Saturday, maybe it's on a Sunday after church. But three to four hours where you journal for three to four hours what's working, what's not. What is God calling me to and what is God calling me away from? And that's really important because there you're going to say, okay, this next season is going to be crazy, crazy busy. And I need to figure out how to, to shore up enough support for my family and my friends and everything else. But I need to do this. I have to do it. I don't have any way around it. But every three to four months, and we'll talk about family time, You know, I actually push our, our staff to take a vacation every three to four months. When I hear our managers, when I hear our staff not taking vacations, I get and I'm the, uh, the chief medical officer, I get really frustrated actually because I know they're not gonna be sustainable. So if you're in leadership, encourage your staff to take vacations. And in, if you're in any kind of pastoral role, tell them every four months you need to be taking some sort of retreat of silence where you're assessing where you are, what you're doing, and what you're not doing. Okay? Um, The other thing um, that uh, we really encourage you to do is protect your rest. Protect it, guard it. I mean, there's great studies that tell you that if you're not sleeping well, you're not functioning well. We know that. I and mean, uh, getting out the Red bolts so that you can work a little bit harder is not the answer. <coughs> protect it, guard it. This should be this should be a huge part of you. I mean, I mean, see your sleep and rest just like you see food and drink. You need to protect it. You need it. So uh, getting good sleep, getting good exercise, getting uh, getting a good diet. Eating healthy because if you don't, it's gonna uh, you pay for it, right? Get some mental rest um, as well. Uh, so work, church, ministry, um, understand those are all great, but you need rest from that as well. So that means turning off your cell phones, t- turning off your e- emails, turning off your Facebook and social media. We encourage you to just turn it off and maybe, maybe. Declare that your Sabbath is that you just say we are not going to go there. Um, you know that's one of the things that I really struggle with. How many of you wake up? The first thing that you do from uh, is check the mail, check your email, check CNN. How many of you do that? That's a horrible way, and I know, I know, it's <laughs> a horrible way to wake up. So any kind of rest you did have, you just destroyed. So learn how to, to, to keep m- mental rest um, going as well. Emotional rest. People who drain you, those Debbie Downers. How many of you know Debbie Downers in your practice, in your, in your church, that constantly you, you can't go near them without them just bringing you down? Understand those people you probably need to avoid in certain seasons. I'm not saying all the time. But you probably do, and that's okay for you to say. I don't have the margin in my life to give that to them. Again, cell phones, emails, Facebooks, social media—that's the same thing. Um, to understand how how emotional we get when we read that email text, how may, how emotional we get when we read that Facebook rant. So don't go there if you know that you are um, at risk, don't go there. Um, one of the books that I've used in my life is uh, Protect Your Rest, uh, to understanding Protect the Rest, is the, a book called The Power of Full Engagement by Jim Lauer and Tony Schwartz. And one of the things that they sh- showed is that athletes who performed really well, and, and so they started off, they were tennis coaches, um, and what they did is they looked at Strong athletes, um, especially tennis players. And what they realized is that the people who did the best were the athletes that rested between sets. The, uh, the athletes, the tennis players that went and uh, hugged their family and talked to their, uh, talked to the, um, uh, their fans and, and just rested in between but the people who were just on it, who were on point, who were, um, who were aggressively just following the game, they, they did not do as well. And so what they did is they translated that out of the, uh, out of the uh, athletic arena to business, and they're seeing the same thing. That the executives, that the staff, the people who took rest, who knew to turn off their cell phone at 6 p.m. when they went home, who didn't respond to to texts immediately, who turned off their Facebooks. They did way better than the people that were on all the time. And I know a a lot of you, like me, are probably saying, but that's just efficiency. I just stay on top. But actually what you're doing is draining yourself, and you're not giving your best because you're constantly on. Um,
1: If you look at the liturgical calendar... Um, The season of Lent is a time for giving up stuff, and so one of the ways that our church has done that as a a body is giving up social media or anything streaming during the entire Lent season. And so that's not necessarily a rest, but kind of like a ceasing, ceasing. So is that something that you need to do for yourself, is figuring out what is it that's consuming me and taking up my time, my energy, or wasting my time and energy and putting a fast to it? Um, and part of it is then you can go back and evaluate like, okay, was it as bad as I thought it was, and most likely it is, So to try and figure out that. Um, and,
0: and if I could, I just realize I missed Sabbath on this. I mean, Sabbath is a command. it's not an option, right? And we keep it we keep using it as as an option, and I, I would caution you guys as, as believers to to obey that command that we need we need to do it. And it's because the Lord knows exactly what we need, and he he knows that we need rest. So we treat... I grew up just kind of rolling my eyes at Sabbath because... You know, we grew up with very strong views on Sabbath, but really, Sabbath rest can mean a place of joy and peace and rest. And encourage you all to embrace it. A study on Sabbath. If you don't understand Sabbath, study on it because that it's it's probably the thing that changed a lot of how we function is for us to understand Sabbath, and Sabbath, we're not going to do anything. And actually, our Sabbath begins on Friday night, um, not because we're Jewish or anything, but because we, we, I have found by Friday night, I have nothing to give. I am exhausted. I'm drained. Every bit of me is given and uh, expended on everyone else. So Jesse knows that. The kids know that. So on Friday night, Jesse and the kids have actually cleaned the house, gotten everything ready. She always makes amazing meals, but Friday nights are really amazing. And um, I just come home, and we just have this beautiful meal where we break bread together as a family. And we, we laugh, and we talk, and then we have a family movie. And then we just kind of uh, just snuggle up together, all five of us, including our teenage kids. And, we, and then the next Saturday, we get odds and ends stuff done around the house. And then the evening, we might have people over. And then Sunday, we go to church, and we worship together as a family. And then we break bread again at lunch. That's a, almost a two-and-a-half-day Sabbath. And I cannot tell you how that has transformed formed our lives. But that means saying no. That means saying no to other things. But that means saying yes to a healthy way of doing life. That doesn't mean saying no to work-life balance, because frankly, we're having people over, we're having friends over, we're having ministry people over, not on, not on Friday, because on Friday I can't talk. I'm also a pastor, so I, I make that very clear to our church that please do not come home, come to my house on Friday night unless you want to watch a movie with me. And I would love, I would love to watch Braveheart with you, but that's all we're gonna do. <laughs> and so so, but yeah, uh, understand the Sabbath, but that's just way too much for this uh this uh setting for us to talk about.
1: so, in addition to the Sabbath um the once a week um uh, carve out every day some special set aside time for God, um one time, I was experiencing what I would call burnout, and Cynthia Hale is the wife of Thomas Hale. Thomas Hale wrote the book on being a missionary, which I highly recommend, so Cynthia was my mentor, and I was in Louisville at the conference she they had a booth for a call. And so I was like, Cynthia, what do you do for, like when you're finally burned out? And she just looked at me. If anybody has ever met her, she's very um, stoic and wise. And so I was like, Cynthia, what do I She's like, well, why would you have burnout if you're filled up with the Holy Spirit? I'm like,
2: oh. <laughs> never mind.
1: Which was a great reminder. Am I really being filled by the Holy Spirit? Am I really doing those checks to make sure I'm doing that? So whether it's um, Sabbath, your daily time with God. Um, to remember that okay, Joy in the Journey this is when um, Gungam Style came out this was our <coughs> Christmas picture so how do we have fun as a family uh, for Joji and I for date nights of making time uh, to spend one on one with each other because um, when there's so many people around and so many needs um, marriage, uh, God said husband and wife are the first family even before children and so if you're married then making time for date nights um, then along with that is family nights Uh, we had a goal, our friend, uh, Greg Mullinex, that um, worked out of Memphis, had said that when he was growing up, his house was the cool, fun house because his siblings and parents, they all loved each other. And so he would choose to be home on a Friday night with his family as a teenage guy over being with his friends. And so are we creating that kind of environment in our own home that our kids want to actually hang out with us? Um, Sunday huddle of uh, in the evening after the weekend – coming together and regrouping, like, okay, how are things going with everybody and what's our plan for the week and how can we encourage and love and pray for each other. Um, Also, have friends that you can have fun with as well as be real. Um, I'm totally against the whole best friend concept because I think there are different friends for different types of friendship. So I I do have friends that I, like, only have serious conversations and pray with, and I have other friends that I only um, laugh and joke with. But somewhere in the middle, I need friends that I can do both with. So try and seek out relationships <coughs> on all those different levels. <coughs> Take vacations. Um, we have um, friends that they only vacation by visiting other people, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's free housing. But what we've found that sustained us is um, vacations where we get away from everything, including, like, all the different uh, family and friends. Um, our friend uh, Clarice Mullinax calls it the purple robe treatment where you set aside in your budget money and time to fully treat yourself and so like for Joji that would be Starbucks for for me that's Dunkin Donuts um, <laughs> for us it's that we go to Florida every year and we stay in a nice hotel and all we do is sit by the pool and work on our tan and so for us that, <laughs> is. oh you got it so um, <laughs> for us That's that's our Purple Road treatment of, you know, we just need to just be filled up, pamper ourselves a little bit because the rest of the year we're not doing that. So it's okay to do that and to give yourself permission.
0: And that's us um, uh, getting a darker tan. Um, and that's our kids. And this was just last year. I think my younger son just grew another six inches since then. Um, but uh, I bring this up because I think this is really important. We have frequent family pulse checks. And this is your team. And you need to understand that if you're married, if you have children, this is your team. If you're not married, you have to understand whoever you invite into that sacred covenant needs to be your team. And they need to be the ones giving you a pulse check. Because if you're not doing it, they are not going to be on board and it's going to destroy the mission. If they're not in it, you're not going to be in it. So make sure they're on board. And the way we do it is through our vacation times. It's through our Sunday huddles. We literally sit down on Sunday night and we talk and say, tell us where, tell us about your week. What's your, what's going to be tough? How can we help you? How can we love you? What are going to be your peace and what are going to be your values? Now, you know, one of the things I, I, I remember, and this is really, this is just a sweet moment. But I remember um, many years ago, probably five years ago, my, uh, we were at church. It was 2.30. We had a whole bunch of Debbie Downer conversations with different people, and, and, and I'm a pastor of the church, so, and Jesse um, uh, helps with a lot of our college ministry, and we were there. We usually got there around uh, 8.30, 9 o'clock, and we were there from that early to about 2.30. We hadn't eaten we were We had just been counseling and ministering and loving and and whatever, and I, I and I felt bad because my three kids, who were five years younger than whatever they are here they were they were there, and they hadn't eaten they were exhausted and I remember walking out feeling kind of bad, feeling kind of sheepish with my kids like oh i 'm so sorry, <laughs> I know it was rough, but we had to do this, we had to be with them and um, and you know what my at that time my 13-year-old son, he was 12 or 13, he came alongside of me, put his hand on my shoulder as we were walking by. He's like, Dad, aren't you glad, aren't you glad we chose this ministry? 12, 13 years old, aren't you glad that we chose this ministry? I said, what? He's just like, because all the kids that you were counseling who are all college students, they probably don't have the kind of dad I have they probably don't have the kind of families we do. And you were able to be a to be there for them. I'm so glad we chose this ministry. I'm like, I didn't know we asked you, but you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know we asked you, but yes, we were right. And and really frankly that's true because, you know, when that child was conceived, I remember praying with Jesse that we would have co ministers in the gospel with us. Co-partners, partners in the gospel with us. That's what we wanted—not uh, uh, not typical uh, uh, A plus students, which all Asian parents want. But <laughs> but we, we we wanted we wanted co-partners of the gospel, and that's going to happen only with family buy-in. So, um, know your talents, know your limits. Uh, this is just to say that. Uh, um, This is just to say that, um, I'm sorry, I'm still kind of choked up. Know that, one, we are doing the work of many people, right? There are people that have gone before us that have laid seeds and that we get to harvest. And a lot of times we're laying the seeds that we will never see come to fruit. But know that you don't have to do it all. And know that we may not be able to do it all for everyone. And there are times when we need to just cut our losses and walk away. And that's really hard. That's us saying, I am not in control. That's us saying, I can't do it, and I gotta move on. And that's, that's hard, but we need to be able to do that. The last, thing, uh, the last thing is do not move boundary stones. And I remember coming upon this. This is in Proverbs again. And it's basically talking about um, these widows and um, orphans who um, basically they would mark their houses by these boundary stones, these ancient boundary stones. And these, uh, these bad people, these bad men would move into the houses or to the, uh, to the areas next to them. And overnight they would go and slowly move the boundary stones Closer and closer to those widows. So basically, just stealing their land, little at a time. And what we do, and, and the reason why this is important, is for us to understand boundaries and margins and stuff like that. That is really, really important. Understanding that when we come home late, we're stealing from our children. When we come home late uh, to dinner, we're stealing from our wives. When we come home and we're, uh, and we're staying later and later and later, we're stealing from someone. We're moving ancient boundary stones, stones that were meant to protect us, stones that were meant to protect our families and our children. And I understand if we all had strict boundaries, we would all look like, um, uh, in the Good Samaritan story, all the men that walked by and not the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan broke boundaries to say, I'm going to stop, I'm going to take care of this man that I don't know. I understand there are going to be times that we need to, to, to adjust those boundaries. But again, you need family bond. In. You need people to walk with you on that, and that's hard to do. But you have to. The way to do it is to find and protect your rest, find who your team is, and make sure that they have buy-in. So, um, you know, this verse here it says, "But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream." It does not fear when heat comes. It leaves, its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. That's Jeremiah 17, 7, 8. So our prayer is, that, um, is that, that we would not have depressed you. Instead, giving you hope and joy to know that this is possible we 're having the best time of our lives, And we are I mean, but i mean we 're struggling i mean, I just had a tough conversation this morning with the very child that talked to me about ministry and i mean he 's still in the faith, and we love him and stuff like that but it 's tough um, that 's what happens that 's real life right um, we have Staffing issues in our clinics we have crazy stuff going on in our church, but that is what God has called us to this is the it, it, it is a king of king of kings he 's the prince of peace and he 's called us to live in chaos but to be different to pray for the peace of that uh, of that land that we 've been called to so um, we 're going to leave you with um, these recommended further re- readings if you wanted to um, these three books have been Pretty influential in our lives. Uh, the Power of Full Engagement, on being a missionary by Thomas Hale, and Ordering Your Private World. I'm also going to leave this. How to say no. Some of us, uh, the main issue is that we just don't know how to say no. So I'm just going to put this up. We're not even going to talk about it. If you guys want more information on that, that's fine. But I had to learn this the hard way. Um, we've got a couple minutes. Uh, any questions? Any, anything that we can... Yes.
2: Fast
0: ones more, whatever. Um, I'll answer then. the first one. You only have one question. No, I'm <laughs> just kidding. like on
2: daily
0: So I think it really depends on um, your role. So like I'm... I'm a physician, I'm on call, I can't turn off my cell phone all the time, right? But, um, but yeah, so I think it depends on your role, I think it depends on what you can do. And so yeah, so Sabbath, I might be on call during my Sabbath, so I cannot turn off my phone, or we'd have a lot of dangerous situations going on. So it really is trying to find that rhythm for you, finding ways of turning off cell phones and Facebook and stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so I think what work life balance is trying to do, and I think it's a great concept. I do feel like we need to figure out how to, to find that, um, uh, to find better rhythm. But again, it's using the word balance, which is a bad no no for me. But, but more than that, it's, it's kind of trying to say that it's cut and dry. Um, and that there is a um, you can section and partition different parts of your life but what we're finding in our community is that you know the physicians and mid-levels that I work with are people that we do life with too and so when we go to our Bible studies at, at, at on Wednesday nights or we have Bible study on Wednesday mornings or our church together we're we're taking care of each other you know we're talking about some of the the situations at our work that's Pressing on us. So, and it's been good because we're able to, to translate, to, to integrate the whole work life um, um, interfaces better. As opposed to saying, hey, I'm going to work from 9 to 5. I'm going to come home and I don't want to do anything af- uh, about work after 5. I think what happens is that it partitions us and there's really not a good interface. And it's really a matter of integrating. Um, Better, I think that's what we need to do. Is how how as Christians can we show that we can have work, we can have church, we can have family, and we can integrate it together. And that's what we're seeing in our family with our kids. Is they they know that uh, living in Jellico is a ministry, not just dad's work, not just um, not just uh, at the church. It's a whole ministry.
1: Along with that, um, and it kind of goes with seasonality. So, for example, we just had one doctor just leave us, and we're already short one doc. So we have two docs that were short. So in this season, there's going to be more work. So then we as a family, okay, we just kind of know patients need to be seen. And so he's going to be gone a lot more, so then we adjust all our – so then, you know, well, I don't want him to feel bad that he's missing out, so I'm planning some girlfriend time for me. So he's like, okay, good. She's, like, not sitting there waiting for me. Um, or with family dinner, like, okay, kids, dad's not going to be home in time, so, like, everybody do your thing, but then like, later let's all, like, watch an episode of Flash Together or something. So, so there's that type of thing. So that's why you can't have an actual balance where it's going to ever be balanced. I'd like to just
2: make a comment to the young women that I see in the room, because I am also a family physician. And there is a very unique challenge, especially if you are a female in medicine and you are married with children. Because, as you mentioned, the family and those children at that stage in your life are your primary um, ministry. But in the medical field, especially if you're in the United States, or sometimes even worse, on the mission field, you feel guilted, you feel obligated to use your training, to be out serving... And the tendency, then, is for your family and your children to take second seat. Mm-hmm. And in many practices, especially in America, they are male-driven um, or overseen, and most of those men have stay-at-home wives. Mm-hmm. And they don't remember that their female partners are the wives. They are yeah. the moms. And that they have husbands and children who are expecting dinner that night. Right. And it becomes a real challenge in your heart and in your body and in your day to find a way to manage all of that and I just encourage you if you haven't already gone through training or found a place that you're working look for places that are family friendly that aren't going to um, punish you or look down upon you when you get to that phase in your life and you say I need to pull back for a little while and be more at home because it's just the stage of your life and right. you can ramp back up later but not to beat yourself up when you feel that urging from the Lord to say i Back for a while with my family.
1: It's okay. Yeah, Thank good. you for sharing that. So you remind me of something. So one thing that we didn't address is um, outsourcing. So if you are in that type of a situation, if you actually have an income, and we talked about purple road treatment of, like, spending money on vacation. So these are different ways you can outsource. I have a friend, um, a couple, where they're both high, busy jobs and lives. They got a personal coach, and that personal coach who was not a Christian, got to see things outside the bubble to kind of give them some advice, so finding a personal coach, um, outsourcing housekeeping because if you don 't want to clean your house if you 've been doing all this other stuff and and some people may have this, well, no it 's my house, I need to cook. you know what you cannot do everything, so maybe it 's that i'm I'm actually a personal chef, so I cook for executives so um, that 's a way that you know whether you can hire out, that out or um, Blue Apron, you know, something that's going to eat. Don't be afraid to take advantage of those resources because we happen to live in a place where we can have those things. So be okay with taking advantage of those. Right.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much. I, I think you're right. Uh, the, I, I, it's not just the physicians. I mean, it's my nurses. I, I, I just don't know how y'all do it. I really don't. But as Christians, if we are in leadership, we need to change that. We need to understand we're in family medicine. We're going to be family friendly. And we need to figure out how to integrate all of our skill sets um, to make it work. So thank you for sharing that. I'll take one more question, but I know we're running over. If you all want to just go ahead and leave, that's okay. But I'll still take questions. The new one? Okay. All right. Thank you all so much for coming. We appreciate you. We'll stick around.